Thomas Devine's love affair with Forth started in the Hamilton Palace nightclub. After nine years as a player and a spell as co-boss, he's been the sole man in charge at Kingshill Park since last November. Thomas joins us on the show this week ahead of their league opener against Shots on July the 13th. He tells us about the day he experienced relegation just two hours after joining the fourth management team. We hear how he's finding life on his own in the dugout and look back at his stint playing at New Mains United where he picked up personal accolades. Plus, after he landed a link-up with the Motherwell Community Trust, which sees their freed players getting a chance at fourth, we discussed where there should be more joined-up thinking in Scottish football. There's an occasional guest appearance from Thomas's dog too. It's all here as we go down the divisions. Well, it's good to be back as we take a look at Scotland's lower leagues. Uh, we had a week's break, Paul, and uh, New Mains United have had time off too by the looks. Um, although I don't think that was quite as much of the the plan as, as our week off. No, we we got off to we got off that flyer at the beginning of the season, at the beginning of the pre-season, and everything was going swimmingly well. And then uh, we've got Thomas on the the one game we had to cancel against fourth because of guys isolating. And obviously we've said on here about players with long-term injuries and short-term injuries. And then we were meant to go to Mid-Annandale last weekend and we had to cancel again because another group isolating. So I don't know where this is going to be the, the pattern for the season, Gareth. Uh, I'm hoping from our point of view now that, that we're by all that. Uh, we've got a friendly tomorrow. Uh, last night we had big numbers at training. So... Hopefully, from our point of view, from a club's point of view, maybe we're maybe over that. That's all we can hope for. Uh, but when I actually contacted Mid-Annandale in the week, uh, Craig, the manager there, said to me, he says, I'm actually glad you've done it. He says, because we're struggling as well. So, And I've spoke to other couple of managers that have had to cancel games. Uh, I think possibly Kerluk cancelled their game on the weekend. Uh, and I think that was because that was they had a few guys isolating as well. So... Whether that's going to be the, the pattern for the season, I don't know. Maybe uh, Winton Rovers might come out and <laughs> now say, well, they should have listened to us, I suppose. We should have regionalised the leagues a little bit. But <laughs> uh, Kenny Young's just fell off his chair listening to this. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's almost the worst possible time to have this happen, isn't it? I mean, it's a week, only a week on Saturday now. It's come around really quick. The, the, the first league game of the season, you're at home, I think, to guard Ken. You, you can't be having having this happening again. Well, arguably, Gareth, some might say it's the best time to have it, isn't it? And, and we're, we're not four games into the season and we're having to phone up and say, Kenny, can we postpone a fixture here? Because I actually don't know, I don't know what the outcome of that's going to be if if the league will be lenient on you know teams having to cancel because of isolation or whether it's a no, you just need to get on with it and, and, and bring in younger players. I don't know. I don't know what the rules will be. So, to your point, I actually think, Gareth, from, from, and again, from a personal point of view, I'd rather have had it now the last two weeks yeah. uh, than, than, than going into the season with it. True. Uh, I guess, uh, I mean, I was more meaning maybe just in terms of preparation ahead of the, the first weekend, but 100% take your point on that. And maybe... Maybe that's one to get Kenny back on to uh, to find out what will happen uh, if if, uh, if a situation like that does develop uh, after a week on Saturday. Yeah, uh, it's going to happen, Gareth. I don't think I don't think that it's not going away overnight, has it? And you, you just need to look at the cases and the, over the last few weeks. So, albeit Scotland and England won't be playing again, so, <laughs> so we'll see what yeah. happens. Absolutely. Uh, well, a quick word for our sponsors, media agency 44 Creative. Not only do they have photographers, graphic designers, videographers and video editors to help promote your content, brand, organization or event, they now offer website services too. They make creation personal and they'd love to hear from you. Find out more at www.44creativehq.com and we'll include that link in the show's description on your podcast player too. Back to the show, and please do keep the comments and suggestions for guests coming. If you're a club in the lower leagues looking for more exposure, we'd also like to hear from you. 
Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can contact us through Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. My name is John McEwen, the manager of Short Spawn Accord, and you're listening to Down the Division. Fourth Wanderers boss Thomas Devine is with us this week. Thanks for being with us, Thomas. No, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. <clears throat> we'll, uh, we'll chat some more in a moment, but before we do, we've got the Down the Division's decider. We'll give you four clues for a particular club from League One down, then reveal the answer at the end of the show. Right, over to you, Paul, this week with the clues. So they were founded in 1950. They play their home games at Herman Park. They play in the new Conference X. And their nickname is the Cooter. Think about it. Do you want me to read them out again to you? Founded in 1950. They play their home games at Herman Park. They play in the new Conference X. Their nickname is the Cooter. Now, I hope I've pronounced that right, but I think I have. Thomas, do you know if you know the answer, we'll, we'll, we'll find out at the end of the show. But have you got any I, ideas? I listened to a few of your shows, and I, I think I've maybe got one or two of these. I'm just glad that you've no threw in a fourth Wanderers, and I never get that right. So <laughs> I've heard, I've, I've, I think I've heard some of the, but I, I'm blank. I'm kind of, I'm going to be a bit through. Well, I'll give you a, at the end of the show, when I read them back out, I'll give you a stronger clue, and you might get it. All right? Okay. okay. Good, good. Hi, my name's Carlo Walker, and I'm the manager of Mabel, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Fourth Wanderers boss Thomas Devine is on the show this week. Uh, well, we've heard how uh, Paul's pre-season plans have been going at New Mains. Thomas, how have things been at, for- at fourth? Uh, you've been in the Breathing Space Cup as well, haven't you? Yeah, um, we've played eight. Um, one, two, drew two, and, and lost four. But in terms of it, it's been a good pre-season. We've not had any of the, the COVID problems. We've had actually just maybe two players, I think, over that have had to isolate. Um, funnily enough, Scotland and England and London. But they weren't part of the squad. They'd been away from the squad, so it never really impacted the plans that way. But we've had a, it's been probably one of my better pre-seasons, not jinxing it and stuff like that, because um, we're a wee bit shorter than Morris or a mixed friendly. But it's been good, that Raven Space Cup. I think was a great idea. I think it kind of helped us in terms of five games right away at the start. We were able to mix, a lot, get 22 boys signed. We were able to get some trialists in and, and actually average game time rather than throwing people in. You know, gain people 90 minutes and 60, so we were 45, 45. So the boys have all kind of had good game time without being overexposed, even though it's eight games. And we've got another two to go. We've got a game tomorrow against West Calder. And then we'll get a game on Saturday to finish pre-season with Lanark. So I think we're, we're in a good place. Um, saying that, there's always things that throw the spanners into the work. And as I said, touch wood, we've not had much disruption. We've, we've not had all our players available at the one time. Um, we've had a few injuries and stuff, but Paul, probably you were saying at the start, these injuries are now two or three weeks before the season. That's probably the time if they're coming back fit for the 17th of July. We're going to need a big squad. You've got the Saturdays and Wednesdays, so yeah, I think it's been it's been good. As I say, the results were no particularly overly kind of worried about what result and the ones that have won. It's not been a case of let's get ahead of ourselves. It's just a case of like getting the minutes, trying to change a wee bit of the style we played in the last season or two as well, and just actually getting to know some guys and what partnerships. And ah, it's been really quite a quite a, a easy pre-season so far in terms of drama. You'd mentioned you've signed 22 players. I was going to ask you about that. Last I'd seen, you'd got 17 players, brought Stephen McPhee, the goalie, back. Um, so you, you've, you've now brought five more in since then. Are you, are you, are you at where you want to be squad-wise now then in terms of numbers and bodies? and, and uh, we wouldn't have, wanted, aye, we wouldn't have um, wanted to really, when the plan wouldn't have been to have 22 bodies because that just makes your job harder when it comes to the start then you're leaving. But having a look at the fixture list and even as I say, pre-season, we've probably had four four or five missing at different points, different games. So I think when you're talking their second game away to Mabel in midweek and a Wednesday, there'll be still games where I'm maybe going, I need one or two people. Do you know? 
Um, I'm really happy with, we kept the majority of the squad for last season and I'm really happy with the boys that we've kind of brought in. Um, we've got competition in every position, which is very unusual in terms of the smaller sort of teams in the, 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 west, the west of Scotland to have that luxury. But as I say, it's... So it's always kind of wafer thin in terms of COVID injuries and travel and work. So I think we'll need every one of the guys. Looking at, you just touched on the, you have to travel to Maybow. I'm actually looking at your conference, Thomas. I think you've got something like eight teams in Ayrshire. Has that been a concern to you uh, at the start of the season? It was a concern last year year when we got through into the conference. Um, And to be honest, when the the proposals about Lanarkshire leagues and stuff like that, yeah, we definitely have... Yeah, they definitely suited us travel-wise, but I suppose if you're going to embrace this, the, the new world, the new, the new, the new look, then this is something you're going to just need to be, be used to and be part of. And to be fair, I probably we've got Lanarkshire boys in our team, but we've probably knew um, my ex-co-manager Graham Cairns was for Paisley, Carlo was for Glasgow, so a lot of the boys have stayed on for that kind of. So we've got quite a few for Renfrew and Paisley. Um, the, the sort of further ends of Glasgow, so it's probably easier for them to get than get to fourth. So the second week when we're playing at home, they get further travel. I think it's just about embracing this. It's not going to be forever. You've got to find your confidences, and it would have been. I'd have preferred not to be playing Mabel away on a Wednesday. I'd have preferred that on a Saturday. But again, being involved with fourth and your at different points, I've been at Greenock on a Monday training the season game, so it's not changed just too much. You know, what I mean, it's still the same principle. That's the one thing I've, I've found. I think we have to go to Kello. We have to go to Kello on a, on a, on a, on a Wednesday night, which is uh, probably easier than getting to fourth. But <laughs> <laughs> you get many people working that night already, Paul, huh, when you're planning I, for the games. And that is, that is my concern. Uh, and I, I, I don't know, is that something you found, Thomas, that uh, that kind of tends to hurt me a little bit. I certainly know that the Mid Annandale game, taking a friend loan in Mid Annandale on, on the weekend as well. Obviously, we had to cancel, but the boys, you know, were saying, glad we didn't have to go down there and play. And I, and I, I just kind of find that a bit strange, to be honest, because I see that as an, an away day and a, and a good team bonding day. I don't know if you found that, Thomas. I think, um, well, we've been, I've been sort of mapping out the season for the boys for when we knew the fixture list. Who's available? What days are you missing? What holidays have we got? And I've kind of got that book right the way through for the fixtures. And I've always knew two or three here, whatever it is. But as it gets closer, it's um, I think my, I've got a wee, wee bit of this. I've got that. I might be what I need to find out. So I think it definitely is. I, I we made a mistake. Uh, my first coming back into when I came back to force about three years ago. We set up me and set up a pre-season schedule. And the first game we set up was an away trip to Wigton and Bagnet. Whatever yeah. it was, it's weird. Now. And I had took the friendly, and it was me that took it. And it was a boy had messaged saying, We're looking to say, I ain't bother. I said, Went to the committee, like, You know where that is? It's like, Ah, it's just up there, sure, we ain't it? Two, two hours, I think it was. The boys weren't going to get a bus thing, and the boys were obviously kept travelling at Moors. They weren't happy bunnies, but it was, I we get 20 boys up. But when we went, but the, as you say, the laugh they had, the ones that weren't driving, you know, we probably bit of pint after it, it was a good laugh. But I think we learned our lesson for there in my video, we bit of researching where we're travelling. First one, two hours, two hours there and back. That was a lesson learned then? That was, 100%. You uh, you mentioned you've got Mabel on um, match match night too, I guess. Uh, you're in Conference A, I think you start off with a home game first against Shots a week on Saturday. I noticed some of your, your Breathing Space Cup games were played in Kaluk, but the pitch at Kings Hill Park now all, all good to go for that first home game? The, the pitch is looking as good as it's been, and um, Ian Robertson, um, the, the, the groundkeeper up at, at fourth, is honestly a great job. And as I say, probably as you would class it as smaller club, and but the, the ambition and the sort of work they've done over the last three seasons on the, the drainage, um, unbelievable. Um, I played at fourth 10, 15, 20 years ago now, and I can remember what it, what it was like. Um, get member changed up in the White Hall changing rooms and, and, and things like The park is night and day. Um, we played two free friendlies up there now. Um, obviously, I played on Saturday after that downpour and the drainage held up and it's looking good. But obviously, the test will be November and December. But the work that's went into the, the park has been brilliant. I've, I've, I actually felt like we played Kirkluck away in the Breathing Space Cup. 
and it was up at Kirkland, and honestly, I think I'd played up at, uh, we'd played up there more last year than Kirkland did. I was like, I can't wait to get back to fourth. Um, I don't particularly like Kirkland's Park, I don't make a secret of it, it's that big wide um, astro grass. I think it's because I used to, I enjoyed just digging up playing at the old park. Um, but uh, no, fourth is, it's, it's looking good. It's never going to be a smooth bowling green until they dig it up and level it all out and do all that kind of things, but it is as good as it's like the, the grass, the seeding, they'd spent a lot of money this year getting it um, uh, sandy, put the, the work on it. It's, uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's like really tough start, but um, home to shots, away to Mabel, and then away to Atherley. Um, so, but again, you're in it. You're in this to go and compete. You're not there to go and make up the numbers. So, let's bring it on. Just when you touched on there, uh, you know, the, the the volunteers and the guys that cut the grass. We always like to kind of take our listeners and find out a little bit more about the club. And I've actually mentioned on the show before, I'm a, I'm a huge admirer of Fourth Wanderers because they, they've always been really obliging to us. You know, maybe if we've had to get a ground, the guys like John and Alan McCormack, Fraser Wilson, Stuart and Gus up there, they're all they're all so welcoming. How have you found going back there? And can you, can you tell our listeners a little bit about Fourth and, and, and the work that goes on up there? Because it's a super little club. As a... I can't really talk highly enough of the, the, the committee. It's one of the, when you approach players, I probably tend to go in with the, the committee angle or the, the, the group of guys that are, are there. As you mentioned, obviously, um, John, Alan, you've got your Stuart Barrett, Mark McKenzie, your Fraser's, John and Stuart's wives um, run the canteen. It's, it's a club like, I know that Everdale sort of say their club, but it's just that's the thing. They can go their way. John, Mark, um, at a training, every training session, know the players as well as I know them. Stuart, nothing that they won't kind of go their way to kind of help you with. Um, even the fact that when I'd been away for football six years, um, when we came back into the first job, and the fact that they picked up the, the you know, picked up the phone and gave you an interview, not only that, give you the trust to get in the job um, because they know you, they're, they're willing to listen to your thing. They're very much, I am. Um, very, very welcome, very warm people, but great football people. Um, same as all winning's the, the, the winning it's great, losing it's the biggest disaster in the world and things like that, but they, they just want to be involved with their club. Um, John and Mark and the guys will go and watch FIPA, see if FIPA's their games off, you'll find them at a game, I'll turn up going to watch yourselves or wishing they'll turn up beside you, you know, or they'll ask you where what game you got to and they'll come along with you. Just really involved in it. Um, just love their football. As I say, it's no, it's no one thing or other. It's just a combination of and, uh, everything that they kind of put into the club. And as I say, it's, the club isn't where it is and still going after 100 years without the hard work that they do, you know. And they just, they, they kind of represent that. This, this, the club is everything, you know. Keep it going. This is their club. And, and aye, I just, I, as I say, I couldn't have picked a better club to go to and spend time with um, because they allowed me a wee bit of time to learn and develop as well. So... Aye, and they never forgot me as well. You know, you played with them, it was one of them. They probably could tell you every player that's played there the last 20-odd year. You know, that's the kind of people they are. I know you'd obviously played at the club, but in terms of, uh, you know, coming back and coaching and management, I think uh, June 2018, um, well, you've been appointed as a co-boss with Ian Rankin for four months there, I think. We'll maybe talk about that that in a minute. But your current... Your current uh, Spell, I think uh, you've been assistant to Carlo, um, who left to become assistant at Peters Hill in August 2019. Um, you were co-boss there with with Graham Cairns, and then when he left in November 2020, you uh, you were appointed the sole manager after after Graham moved on. Um, how much um, how much does this role consume consume your life right now, particularly since taking the job on? yourself I mean I guess when when Graham was there a bit like Paul and uh, his co-manager Craig Gupwell at New Mains you could maybe just uh, divide uh, divide your time and divide your your kind of responsibilities but what's it like for you now as the as the main man? It's busy <laughs> it's, it's, as it's always has been a say it's full I think I use the word full time but it's as a second job uh, it's no there's no getting away if uh, it's one of the things for me but hard work is you might you could be the greatest tactician, you can be the greatest coach, you can be the greatest man. See without the hard work, so it's no grudge. I I really 
I'm at that stage where I kind of never really took the playing side of football as serious as I probably should have. Being a manager, I'm not going to kind of leave the kind of things on turn, so I'm not going to give myself that excuse to say, I never really committed to that, I never really did that. I'm probably saying me and Graham are kind of similar characters in terms of how much work we would have put in. So it was never like when he left it, it suddenly became that much easier. It meant that we were on the phone between the hours of like every three or four hours a day talking about the same stuff, but um, we had a new spin on it. So it's made it a wee bit easier in terms of... I've always kind of been a co-manager or a coach and I've kind of probably put myself in that position more for confidence and more just having that wee bit. This is the best that's probably felt in terms of being that decision maker. Having your people that can support you, your coaches, your management team, be able to talk to and sound off um, with people and put it, but actually just having that freedom to go and say, you know what, I'm going to make that decision. It's going to be my decision. There's not going to be any kind of compromise in that decision. And and actually being able to then come away and say, you know what, it was the best I could do. And that, if it didn't work, it doesn't work and try to learn for it. So I have to probably say it's busy, but it's, it's, it's always been busy. It's always been busy. I've never known a man in my life that... Uh, Every player, every player I go and speak to, I've always spoke to this man. He's always got there before us. Fourth one, I mean, the last three seasons, but I, I'll go back even when you were assistant up there. I mean, I think I'd go on the record. I don't think you mind me saying this and we'll take it out if you don't. I tried to get Thomas in, in back into New Mains and come in beside us, beside me and go because his, you know, his reputation kind of goes before me and he certainly speaks to a, a lot of players. Has it been a big culture shock for you going in as a number number one? Because I said before, you can, and I know you, you've always had that relationship with players. You've always spoke to players in terms of trying to get them, trying to sign them. How 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 have you actually found going in there and standing up and, and doing the team talks and stuff like that? Is that something that you've you've took to? I, I kind of always, I suppose, I've always kind of had that wee bit in me, but you've had it some bit. It's as it's definitely. It's more of a challenge having it full time. As you you kind of got that always thinking, you're always the one that somebody's looking for the answer for, or somebody's wanting to have the conversation. So it's to that point of view, yes. But again, having that element of control, I don't know you yourself, Paul. You take probably need to go on. And, but there's times where I've been sitting in a team talk and maybe I've said something, or, and then Graham's talking, and you're going. I don't know, that's maybe, you know, and then we'll talk about it after, but at the time you can't kind of bring that back that back in, that bit where maybe you feel that there's a miscommunication or there's something not quite there. You can, when you're not talking in the team talk, you're kind of, you're obviously acknowledging body language, I think you might be switching that person off. So I think for that point of view, it's it's, it's a wee bit different now in terms of, yeah, maybe the boys are switching up, I can't notice it because I'm that and thing even, <laughs> but I think it kind of, I, I, as I say, I just, for me, I always wanted to do it. I don't think I ever put myself in a position to do it properly. Again, confidence and different things like that. And I think I just really kind of don't want to give myself that look back and go, do you know what, I know I could have done that and I never really committed to it. And that's why I kind of, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. It's, don't get me wrong, the car's a lot fuller with the, the, the equipment because I've not got people to share it as much with. And there is that bit where you're finishing at night and then you're, you're, you're maybe an hour later than the, the other guys getting home and stuff like that. But... It's, I, I do it because I enjoy it. I wouldn't do it if I didn't enjoy it. And I'm at that stage where I, kind of the kids are kind of getting to play and don't need me as much and don't want to. They're only seven, eight, nine, but they just don't don't come and talk to you anymore. So it gives me, I've got that time now to kind of go in and actually go to games and, and talk to people. And you know yourself, there's so many interesting characters about air-level air football. It's, you want to be involved in it. I would rather go and be involved in air-level football than be involved in the senior game. You mentioned you had six six years out of football before before coming back to, to fourth. Did you fall out of, of love with the game during that six years, or how tough was that six years without football in your life? It wasn't. Um, I say it wasn't. It was what had happened is I had been finished with fourth playing. I was at fourth for about seven years. Um, I was eight eight years, but I think six years playing fully. A seventh year bit part, and then the eighth year I, I sort of packed in it pre-season, the um, League Cup, injuries and just fed up. I couldn't shake my ankle injury, my hammies. It was it was constant excuses for it and I, I get fed up. So I intended at that point I was going to just go and had a young young daughter. My daughter was only one, two at the time, I think, just go and, and leave it. And then the new main thing came about. 
Um, so it means we're in the abyss. Previously, we've been talking about it. said Devine, James Devine, had always been at me about going to New Mains. Ian Rankin wanted to be a manager, he'd been doing his coaching. He wanted me to kind of come in and do it. And so I ended up involved in New Mains about a season later. Um, Ian took the first two years as me as a player, assistant player coach. And then he went to Blanter and got the Blanter job. So I ended up taking a full season in managing New Mains alongside a guy called Davey Ross. And it was my first experience here. I tried to player manage, um, which was really really tough. It was our first full season. And I think it was we went into the, the League Cup sections the next season. We came to the second last League Cup section game. Caroline, uh, my wife, was pregnant again. Um, we did a wee bit of a bad time, rough time, trying to get pregnant again as well. I was bursting the gut to get up and play. It was against Wisher or something like that. And I thought, you know, this is this is just obscene the amount of time that I had been putting into this. And I'm, I can see it was that kind of torn bit between your family, who you want to support and you love and you don't. And they're saying, you can still do the football, but you couldn't commit to it 100%. And for me, that was a bit where you're not committing to some 100%. You're not really doing it. I did stay and play, I think, a couple more games with David taking the manager's job, and then I kind of just drifted away from it. And as much as I said I was away from football for six years, I think there's probably two or three spells in there where I went back and played some games, and I actually went to an amateur team to play a one-off game, Scotia, and it was through an ex-player that said, come down, we're short. And I went down to play one, one, one game, ended up playing, I was done in, because I was like that and I was done in, and ended up, um, the manager walked out, the, the end of the game and they went to can you come and take the train until we got a new manager and I hadn't even met these guys and things and so I ended up there for a, maybe six months um, and they did get a manager in and I stayed on and again sort of assisted him getting players in doing that wee bit of work so it's kind of always been in my nature because I think you, you, you kind of have that, that where people just look at you as that go and do that you, you take the train and you do the so I, I was six years I wasn't I was wee spells in and out of the game but I was away for that sort of 100%, 100 miles an hour. Um, and that six months I did again, sort of at the end of that, my wife's like, I thought you were, you were, you were away for it. I thought you weren't. And, aye. So I had to kind of sort of wait my time and, and wait for it to come back to where the kids were. A wee bit settled, we were settled. And I'm glad I done it. I'm glad I took a wee bit of time away because it just actually made me um, realise how much I did miss it and how much I wanted to be involved in it at some level, regardless. I was going to mention uh, new <coughs> new mains a bit later on, but just just seeing as you've mentioned them there, uh, apparently, allegedly, you're a bit of a legend at, uh, at new mains United for your your three three years. Was it you had had? I'm played? surprised at that when Paul was in there. It's a legend, but I I've only I was always a kind of a guy that never really moved about. I never really even the boys' club. It was the same. But new mains four, fourth and new mains were the only two sort of junior teams that I ever get involved in. And Newmains was really, um, as I say, Sid Devine, James Devine, just every week I maybe played Copenhagen or that, oh, I'm related to you, you need to come down and help out and play. And then when I packed it in, he was on the, 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 the phone, sort of, or he mentioned to me, I met him and he was mentioning, we're at the game, we need a manager, you know, fancy doing that. And I'm going, James, I'm never manager, you know, that kind of thing. And it was, that was kind of roped in. But as I say, I... I it was tough, and Jermaine's is, was a really tough, tough gig at the time. And we were talking, you do everything. It's not even, it's not just one thing. It was gate collect and nets, pitch inspections. But um, I, I played more than I expected to play, and I kind of didn't at the start, and I kind of thought my ankle's still sore. I can't play, and um, I think we got, I got to do in one game, and um, that was me. I ended up playing again. Probably the, the three seasons I probably played more games than I had the previous two seasons before. Because my, my, my fitness stayed up and I didn't, didn't train as much, but I just managed my, my fitness a wee bit. And I was only really in my early 30s, but I just never took care of myself. It was a case of you tore your, tore your uh, ankle ligaments and two weeks later I was trying to play five sides. So, I, uh, um, Fort was, it was good and it was a good team. We brought in, for where it was, there was always good players at Fort, uh, New Main, sorry. And it was, um, it's great see, as I'd say to Paul a few times, it's, it's great seeing the club now still going. Because when we come in, it was mine. We had to pay £500 to get the strips back because they hadn't paid a, a, a sponsorship or something. So we, we started with minus £500 and it was two men and a dog sort of helped me out to try and get it running. And I had done the treasury. I'd done the books the first year when we went in. So to see it now where it is, the improvements here, to see it going to 
be that sort of sustainable model and the, the youth teams and all that kind of coming in. It's unbelievable, really, when you look at where it was. Because I think if you gave it another six months, they'd probably have not been in the game. They'd been a bear listing, you know, they just disappeared. Is uh, is Thomas being a bit understated there, Paul? I think uh, not not wishing to reveal my sources about who told me about him being a club legend there, but it was you, Paul. Uh, I made it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only kidding. No, listen. I think uh, I think there was actually the BBC done a documentary on the club, didn't they? Uh, and I'd, I'd seen it on that, and I think you'd won Player of the Year and Players Player of the Year. I think a lot of teams. New Mains, New Mains is one of these clubs that I think has been regenerated a couple of times, hasn't it? Somebody comes in with great intentions and then realises the struggles. Uh, you come in there and you, and, and you were saying you had, to, you had to negative £500. I think we were in when we were in there. As, as I say, I never went in there. I never went in there to run a football club. I went in there as, as, to manage a football club along with Craig. And when you get there and then, you know, the container, the, the, the container was there that hadn't been paid and uh, there was a dispute between the club and the council because whilst they, 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 they couldn't play in November, December because of the weather, uh, the club that felt that they shouldn't be having to pay their rent and all that. And so you had to go in and, and, and do that. And I think a lot of clubs throughout the country have got the same problems. But New Mains historically seems to have had this... Uh, uh, it gets regenerated. Somebody comes in and then is left to somebody, and somebody moves on. Uh, and that's why when we went in, we, as, as you say, Tom's we tried to put the you know the youth teams in. The mini kicker started a few weeks ago and all that. Now hopefully one day that when that, you know I won't be there forever. Uh, that you know somebody can come in and say somebody can take it over and it's not having to go through a regeneration again. I think that would be the ideal outcome into it and I think you guys are so much closer to where, where it needs to be in terms of doing that because I think that a lot of the past sort of attempts at it, it was, it was probably, it was always going to be short-lived, it was kind of built in quicksand, um, where this is now, you're putting the building blocks in that will hopefully see it kind of stays, you, you say there's, there's, it's a good, it's a great part, like a good bit of, you know, there's loads of wee bits that you could go and say there's loads of potential for it. And it's just having the right people on there and that sort of sustainable model that would that would kind of help it. Um, but aye, it was, it was it was good times there. We tried everything. You said about the BBC the documentary. We we got that because we went on um, my Scotland football club. It was an internet. Um, it was, they were trying to replicate Ebsleet. I don't know if you remember the Ebsleet model yep. where they get the the group for the internet and people would put in £50 a month or whatever and I can't remember the guy's name, it was Kenny, a guy for Paisley I'm sure and he was advertising, nobody would touch him in the senior game because it was like nah, no having that and it came down eventually down to air level and we were like, do you know some may as well try this, this is something that might work or no and um, we got the guys on board, I think it ended up with about 20 paying subscribers and I think it was like £20 a month or whatever but she still covered some course and they actually bought us a player um, a guy called Jamie Brophy who I think we actually made money because we sent him to Fornabud the following season but it was wee things like that, that um, and Ian was great for that kind of thing I mean the BBC and stuff like that That was you, you got probably two or three players off the back of the BBC were going to come come and film you so aye it was, it was good times when you look back you couldn't remember some of that stuff at the time but now you, you think about it aye good. it was good to be involved Bringing it back to fourth, I mentioned that you had uh, the four-month spell with Ian Rankin at, at uh, I think it was in, in June 2018. It only lasted four months. How much of a baptism of fire was that for you, kind of going into into a role like that, particularly at a club that meant so much to you? It was very much, I had been at games, I'd started to go and watch games um, at junior football, not particularly fourth, but I'd went to um, different games, Fornerwood, Bells Hill, and just kind of getting back out and about. And I'd, my intention was never to go and try and get a manager's job, if I'm honest. It was going to be, let's see if I can get, get back in touch with some people involved, maybe coach, maybe go and take some training sessions. And again, me and Ian probably have been more involved in football. We're good pals away from it, but we're probably, we'd both agree, we've got different ideas about football. And we'd been a long enough away from probably being in the same team where we kind of forgot just how much sometimes we disagreed on things. But we had that kind of a chat and, 
Um, we talked about applying for it and Ian said, well, you're, you're well respected, you've got good um, connection with the club, um, you're wanting to do this, so I've got the, the more recent experience, I've got the coaching, I've got my American scholarship at the time, I've got the contacts, all that kind of stuff, so I actually turned up to watch the fourth play and it was John who came on and said, how you doing? We were talking away as usual, he's like, I believe I'm going to see you on Saturday, I'm going... Did we apply for the job? Did I really? Because it was one of the ones Ian had kind of already done it. And I'm going, I John, I'll see you on Saturday. That's fine, not a problem. And then I was on the point, I'm going, I thought I'd said to you, I was still wanting to think about what, you know, ended up going up for the interview. And um, I, the interview obviously went well and we got the job. But there was different things. There was, it was really, it was a baptism of fire because my role was always going to be build up my contacts, build up my, my sort of, my, get the confidence. You talked about team talks and training and stuff like that. It would build up all of that again because it's one thing doing it in front of an amateur team where half them weren't bothered and it's going semi-pro where it was, they had just been relegated, well, they hadn't just been relegated officially, they got relegated about two hours after we got the job. Because we got interviewed, they, they'd played their last game against Blantyre and Greenock. I think it was the... Um, they weren't sure if they were losing the, the points. It was dead. something to do with maybe a, a, a riders. Something to do with Greenock had a game the Saturday, and if Greenock won, that was them officially relegated. And we got the job on the way home for the, 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 the interview. We got the call, got the job, and I think it was like about two hours later. I'm phoning by the way, we have just <laughs> officially got relegated two hours into the job. Um, Jamie still, Jamie needs to get credit for that. He was still there. He wasn't a Gartkin at that point. But aye, um, it was a baptism of fire. Ian ended up. Um, he ended up away in Bulgaria for most of the summer, um, which wasn't really the, the, the part of the plan for as long. So it was a family like kind of holiday kind of, but I don't think he intended to be. It, certainly, we were hoping to be in a better place before he left, and it was a case that we were in the 15, 16 players that were, were at fourth. We had talked with him the next night for getting the job. I think we had arranged the Monday. We were talking, but it was like, well, maybe going to commit, maybe no. Don't really know you. Don't really want to. Jamie was at Gart Kane, I think there was a couple of them working with Kenny, maybe I and I moved to there, a couple hanging them. Great good, they were loving the hanging, a couple of the boys did eventually sign on, but it was it was a very much, for me, I kind of expected a lot of it to kind of be Ian coming in, we were going to have 25 bodies at training, and I would just be one or two, wouldn't it? but I quickly found out that I was going to have to get really dug into the, the phone book and ask for favours and chase up and... Do you know something? The worst, the, the worst thing that probably could happen was we we got to a place where um, Ian was uh, we, before he went. We played the Clydesdale Cup and we played five three friendlies and we won every one of them. I think we was like one now when when the Clydesdale Cup. You think, do you know maybe this is maybe we've cracked this a bit. It's all right. And then uh, the Kenny Wheels kind of we weren't really as prepared as we what we should have been. I certainly wasn't, and I've said that to the committee as well at the time. And I felt that I probably was needing a wee bit of time and they sort of agreed with me and that's why when it did come to the where it came to actually we got I believe their duties and then the two games in the interim I took the team so I took the team up at Lanark and I took the team at Home of Deer um, actually we, we, finished, we were seventh when I left and we still had won 50% of our games but it was there was a combination of things and I was actually quite glad to get the time to go and learn under Carlo then work with Graham and learn under with Graham. And I feel like all the bits that they were missing are probably there now for me to enjoy it as well, which is something you struggle to do with football teams. So how did that come about? Thomas, obviously, too, you lost your job, but you, you managed to, to stay on. Was it just a case of it was to kind of keep a bit of continuity with the, with the new management team coming in, or did it keep you on because you're coaching, or how did that come about? To be honest, like the club obviously, when we, we when it happened, um, you never, you're not, you, 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 you kind of sometimes expect, you know, you, you get a feel for where things are going. There was a lot of kind of probably disconnect in terms of some of the, the, the things that were growing, but my relationship with the committee was always good, even during that. and. Um, the encouragement I got was always there. So when it kind of happened, there was a kind of there was kit to be clicked. You know, there was all the kind of gear to be that was still there, and it was kind of we spoke and said, look, you want to stay on? There's a there's a, there's a role here for you. You, you. Keep the guys going, and I was quite happy to do it because as much as they were air players, do you know what I mean? We'd brought these guys in. They were going to be whatever time the club needed to get the right person in. And to be honest, we were, again as I say, we think we was seventh at the time. 
there was still that possibility the right guy comes in, you go and you get promoted because it was top three and up. And I wasn't really one to go and say, I'm going to leave this in the, 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 the lurch here. There's, there's, there was stuff to be done. And the opportunity that they were, the, the committee were willing to sort of have me on board and, and sort of put my name forward to be part of the next sort of team as well, was always some I thought, you know, some, it's going to be a learning thing for me. I know where I was in terms of coaching. I know where I was in terms of management. I knew I, I felt, and I still always have that confidence, even date yourself, Bobby, didn't I, that you could do it. So I was always willing to give myself that, back myself, that if I stuck it out, then I would get that sort of ch- chance at it again. And um, it was, it was really, it wasn't really awkward, it wasn't awkward at all. And actually the two weeks, we could beat Milano 4-2, we beat Adir 4-2. Um, and I, I actually probably, again, it was that wee bit of relief because you could, you were you were on your own, you were making the decisions, you were taking your training. There was, don't get me wrong, it probably caused, it did me and Ian had a wee bit of friction for it because he did, couldn't understand. But for me, it was, it was that kind of, I had to do something for myself. It was a club that I was involved in and, and I didn't just want to say, well, do you know, I've just got to chuck this. I'm going to actually stick it out, see where this kind of goes. And where I'm at now, I'm really glad I did. Um, as I say, Carlo and Graham came in and professionalism, Carlo, training, all the kind of top class. Um, and I don't know if they intended to keep me on. The club obviously wanted to do it. I gave them obviously the details, emails, what the players, what I felt we needed, all that kind of stuff. And I think probably after about two or three weeks, it actually felt normal. You know, Carlo would be the manager, Graham was the assistant, but he never ever excluded me. You know, if there was a decision to be made, come on, come on, talk to me. Come on, this is what I'm doing. This is, have you got an opinion on this? And, and Graham would be there. And it, at times he would have took my, my opinion on board. You know, well, I'll, I'll make that sub. And I guess it made it easier for him. He didn't know the players when he came in, but it certainly didn't stop that way. Um, and when I spoke with yourself, obviously you'd said about the new main thing, both of them, um, look, we don't want you to go. There's an opportunity here, you, you're learning. You know, why don't you, you stick it out? We'll not be here forever. So I think I'd said to you, that was always my ambition, was to go back and get a crack properly. So I, it was an awkward time in terms of, but it didn't feel as awkward for me. Um, it probably felt to people looking outside. You know, what, what's the, but I, I just seen it as an opportunity. I seen it as an opportunity to keep, keep my hand at football, learn and actually come back a wee bit stronger for I'm David Gormley, manager of Rossville Football Club, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. You, you talked about learning from your experiences and where you are now and, and the kind of manager you are now. I was, I was reading about the, the move that you seem to be behind linking up with the Motherwell Community Trust Um for the under-20s development league side, whereby I, th- I think under-19 players from, from Motherwell who aren't going on to senior football um, get an opportunity to continue their pathway with fourth. Is that still in place and how, how important is that to the club? That, that is in place. Um, it, it's really, it is really important to have it. I think, um, I think when you're looking at, again, having that sort of smaller sort of Catch me in Lanarkshire. I mean, Paul, you said that you talk to a player, they talk to five other managers. Um, you talk to him that's played junior football or semi-pro more than a season, and they want ridiculous kind of expenses and wages and stuff like that. So we have that kind of flow of young boys that are going to come in. And again, we work quite closely with, with the, the, the under-20s. What's happened in the last couple of weeks, Greg um, who, and Stuby O'Brien, they came with the, the team as managers. Greg's been really kind of a lot involved with the first team because the youth football couldn't play last season. Um, and he's been a great help to us. Um, another really good young coach. He's found it really tough to keep the 20s going. So we had advertised um, just last week for a new under-20s manager. Um, they done the interviews and I think hopefully tonight or tomorrow they'll be announcing somebody to come in. Um, the idea of that would be when community trust and we spoke to a, a woman called Don Middleton involved who was really encouraging was that they have a, an under-17, 15s, and they've no any route way after that. So what we were looking to do is kind of keep that going so it just regenerates itself. We're not really probably in the same place where you would you would have that 15s, 14s. I think that would be a wee bit further down the line. It would be a real slow build for fourth to do that because um, it's a lot of investment um, to do these kind of things. 
So what we had looked at with the Malibu Community Trust was, yeah, give them what they need, equipment, strips and stuff like that, but try and get that self-sustaining model in behind there. And the route where would be these guys that were coming to the end of the Community Trust would, would kind of step up. Uh, the guys that manage these teams, like in terms of the under-17s, I think they ended up going under the Co-South banner this year. So that's kind of gave us a wee bit of a shortfall. And I think that was part of why Greg probably as well is, it's a tough gig. It's a tough gig. We've got that luxury. We can probably have more players to pull for in terms of there's no age restrictions, but it's even tougher gig if your, your pulls are under, um, especially when they pull the under the ones as well at one point. So it'll be a tough gig for whoever comes into it. Um, there's a couple of good applicants and um, I was part of the, the sort of interview process. I interviewed them and very much, again, good good uh, couple of applicants and whoever the club to decide to take it forward. It's going to be a benefit to us, but we work really close with them. I mean, I've had three or four in for pre-season um, in games, putting them in, and there's some cracking players. There's cracking players, and as much as I love going and watching games and looking and trying, I think it's just it's a great to have that myself. You know, just have that way where you can say, I'm seeing them in training, I can see their attitude. Because the biggest thing for me is probably going to be commitment. Um, so you actually know the ones that are turning up every week, and not just turning up on Saturday. It gives you that knowledge in United next season. He'll do. You know, he's got the right attitude. So, no, it's brilliant. It was good, and the club were really supportive. I think there was a few um, a few guys that were really, Stuart Barrett was really big on the idea as well, and I think they can see the kind of benefits of it, but they say the idea is to really support them as much as possible, but have that sub- self-funded, self- self-sustainable kind of bit as well, because it costs as much to run the senior team <laughs> um, for everything. It's, prob- it's probably uh, a system that should perhaps be in place you know, more across Scotland because how many times do, well, we all know how many players never make it at the top level, but that doesn't mean to say that they they can't have a career or they can't have a, a spell, uh, you know, still playing in the game and who knows, build themselves back up and go again, Paul. I think, Gareth, the whole thing he's joined up thinking, you uh, we've spoken about this a hundred times, people need to link arms, join together. You know, I look at well, let's take our area, especially for you, Kirkfield United. I know Douglas McMillan that runs the uh, kind of older age group there. Kirkfield should be tying up with Alanica Fourth or something like that to give the kids a pathway. I, I hear it all the time, oh, you know, they find drink and they find women and all that. See, sometimes it's just there's no destination there for them to go to or there's no a pathway. Uh, certainly... Friends of ours, their their sons at Kirkfield, and uh, he's I think he was in training with Lanark this week. That ha- you know this this pyramid system is a great opportunity, and I don't think clubs should be going out there and reinventing the wheel and going right. We're going to start. I mean we're doing it with with twenties uh, again because it's, we need we've we've ended up with some players from other teams that have maybe folded, but I don't think teams should be setting them up to fold other clubs. You know you see. Boys clubs are there for a reason. Boys club, the boys club systems work for years. You know, I mean, you even go down. You know, there's famous boys clubs in England, like Walls End Boys Club in, in the Newcastle area that produce produce players. That's what they're good at. Dads take the teams up to a certain age level, then they take the coaching. That's what need, that's what needs to be done. You know, all take our area. Just I mean, I just off the top of my head, there, Thomas. You know, fourth Kirkluck. Lanark, Les Mahego, New Mains, Shots, the list goes on. We can't all do it. We physically can't all do it. And it's something that I've thought about and spoke about on hours on end, you know, how can we do it? Can we set up a joint tie-in with a boys club and have a real pathway and see at the end of it, up to the player what team he goes to? Do you know what I Because... Everybody trying to do it is very, very difficult, and it only takes a coach. And maybe you've you've experienced that. Just listening to what you're saying there, who now says, "Do you know what we'll go to a cool site or something?" Then a team then goes. Do you know what I mean? It's it's hard, but I, I certainly think it needs a huge joint up thinking. Everybody needs to link arms and say, "Do you know what? It's not about it's not about us as a club. It's about a, pro- a, a progressive pathway, and we're no losing players to the game." I think I'll eventually go that way, Paul. I think there's, as you say, no reinvent the wheel here, but in Lanarkshire, you've got hundreds of well-run, well, hundreds, but you've got lots of well-run boys clubs. I mean, I was involved in Yet Farm Boys Club in New York Hill, and that was the problem that you said. At the end of that, you were, you were under 16s, you were finished, you were 
you wouldn't really, there wasn't any, unless you knew somebody or whatever, or you were way a professional club or whatever, that was you, you know, and a lot of these boys then would have just gave up in football or turned back up in a couple of years. But that kind, there's, there's clubs there who, it's not about being attacked, it's just about, you say, linking up, linking up, giving people that choice. And I, I'm really excited for the way it's off, kind of certain, loads of teams are buying into the development thing. It's, for me, again, that no building in quicksand. So as getting a proper tie-ins, getting the clubs and actually supporting each other a wee bit without needing to be financial or, or anything like that, but actually just actually using it as a proper route, you know, in terms of bringing the boys up to training as well, giving them that wee bit of experience. Because I went to junior football for my first time at 18, never had played it and it was a total different world. When I ended up, it was Blackburn Junior, I ended up six months later back at 21s, because it just was a completely different world. I started well, but I had never had been... Um, had to be resilient before because you were the best player at your boys club and then you went up there and it was ah, you, you need to be really playing well you couldn't make a mistake or it was it was night it was life or death kind of thing for, for these guys and you had fans shouting at you which was a first instead of parent encouraging you so i think it kind of good to involve them with adult football as early as possible and give them a look at it as well i would also put an appeal out to the likes of the west of scotland league as well in terms of that i've said on here a million times about marketing Brand in the West of Scotland League will know the juniors anymore. And my son knows about junior football and pyramid systems and stuff like that because his dad's involved. He's 14 years old. Do you know what I mean? He does want to play, believe it or not. He plays from 2007s at New Mains. He wants to play in the first team, but he wants to play in his first team because his dad's there. Other boys in his team might not know the, the history, might not know the what the pyramid system is, how close they are. Ultimately, they could be three, four divisions away from SPFL. I think that there's a responsibility in football. Football sometimes sits back and expects the right, the, the, the right to to be the number one sport in the country. They need to do a wee bit. Sometimes they need to do a wee bit more. And I think the West of Scotland's got a great opportunity, and East of Scotland, and and the other leagues have got a great opportunity to brand us now. And we talk about, you know, the national teams qualifying, you know, on the back of the Euros and things like that. I think there's a real opportunity to engage with, with the boys now and show them that pathway to, you know, and using and using our clubs at semi-professional level as that that model. I think it's a lot easier now with the West has got a great, you say, a great opportunity because it's visually, you know, you can, you, you almost like, it, that the ladders there, the pyramids there, you can see there's your, your steps to go. I think it's all the juniors, as you say. I know we're not the juniors anymore, but I think that was the kind of nobody really knew who understood what that, what that, how that was the middle ground for your, your amateur or your, your your Saturday morning football. This was a, there was a level of semi-professional that you could still step up to professional. I mean, I played against your your, your Dougie Emerys who were at Lanark semi-pro and then made it end up a great career at um, professional football. But I I finished twenty ones football um, and I didn't have a clue. What I was going to do, it was my manager, I'd been St Mungo's my last year in Glasgow, um, great set up against Knightwood and stuff, boys were going to Queen's Park and different things like that, my manager got me, really liked me, um, got me in with Bells Hill, but that was, they were in the Premier League at the time, and I played all pre-season, and I probably, I was going to be number 17 or 18 for them, and they, um, Rab Snedden was the manager at the time, and I didn't know what would have done. I never like, had a list of contacts or who I was going to go. I ended up, it was by chance, I ended up at fourth in terms of, I was playing with Bells Hill. I was doing, played a couple of, I think I was a rubbish trainer and I don't think they fancied me at all. I'd finished 21s, I'd been player of the year, player, player, players of the year, we said Mungo's and some of these boys went senior and I'm going, how can I not get a club? And it was Bells Hill or St Rocks and I ended up at Bells Hill. Rubbish trainer, I thought I'm not going to, couldn't they, couldn't they beat Casey's drum in training? And they put me in for 10 minutes up at Musselburgh and they must have done all right because the next game I was starting then it was a suddenly I had a chance at a contract rather than I was just going to get dumped. But I bumped into a wee guy, you probably know him, Barry Douglas. Mm-hmm. He Barry, he kicks about with the junior games and that. I bumped into him in Hamilton Palace on a Saturday night and he said, I'm up at four Felton. He said, I'll, I'll give me your number and I'll, I'll get the manager to phone you. And I'd seen him at New Mains under 21s, I'd been there for a wee while. And uh, John Clifford phoned me the next day, and again, no having a clue about semi-pro football or anything like that, who's fourth, where they are. I know, boy, it's a game of football, turn up, 
beat Kirk like 3-1, I score, get signed the next day in the Southern Hotel. Then they tell me the week before they'd been beat with Lanark 10-0. I'm like, hmm, I'm not sure I'm really up for this, you know what I mean? But it was, it was just, I would have been lost. I'd have probably ended up, I mean, don't get me wrong, before I signed, before Brad Steadon had phoned me at Bells Hill and said, why don't you go to Covell Park? He said, you're not ready for us in the Premier League, you'll, you'll not get enough game time. Go to Covell Park, they're a really good amateur team. You'll get back in, we'll get you back in next season, we'll get you in for some games. But again, my naivety was um, fourth had offered me a contract, there was money there, and um, I was going to play every week, and I was like, brilliant. Whereas probably, as you say, Cove, I think won Scottish Cups and, and all that kind of thing, and I was like, didn't know. I just went with the thing, but uh, it was a chance encounter in the palace that ended up my, being with my association with four for our ten years. So, but I think that's the thing I'm saying is it's not advertised. It's no, it's hidden, but now we get the opportunity to really say this is their level of football. There's the stages you can go to to get to that level. And guys that are coming out now, the PFA list, the young guys, they must see it as a chance to go play a lower level, playing really well and get back into the game at a better level, go back in at a higher level. Well, I wish when I went to Hamilton Palace, I'd come away with something for fourth, because some of the things I'd come away with were awful. <laughs> well, well, That's well, a different story, but... <laughs> well, I was, I was going to say, you started this discussion by talking about how, uh, you know, young players, you talk about them finding women, you talk about them finding alcohol. I mean, you found women, you found alcohol, and look and look, look where it's taken you. It's taken... Well. <laughs> you mean, eh? <laughs> <laughs> go wrong. I was looking at the Junior Cup draw. You're not in the Junior Cup no, we never kept our membership um, last year. Uh, club decision, and to be honest, I didn't have strong opinions on it myself. I think if we were, you might play it. There's, there's plenty of cups in the west of Scotland. Look at the, the Strathclyde Cup. There's there's different things. So I, it is, I I had some great days in the Junior Cup, and we had a great run one year. We uh, in the fifth, up to the fifth round before played Tayport uh, up at Tayport, but. Um, as with it is now, it's, I think we're moving forward. I don't know how long how long it will stay or what sort of format it will be in, but um, it was a club decision, and I can't say that I had strong opinions myself either way, to be honest with you. Paul, you, you've you've gone back into the Junior Cup this this year with New Mains. Uh, what's the thinking of that? The thinking behind it was that when we, when like fourth's opinion there, you know, it was where we're moving over, uh, and that's it, and and. Nobody had said to us that really by keeping the membership on, but then it was a case of well, if you're a met now, if you're a member of the junior association, you play in the Scottish Cup, but but if you've joined the junior association, you can't play in another cup in the west of Scotland. So I thought, you know, I'm going to apply to get back in the juniors. For for us, we only never renewed our membership for the for the fact that a. Uh, we were all kind of moving over, and I didn't think there would be a, a, a Junior Scottish Cup. It's a trophy that's a beautiful trophy. We'll never win it. Let's not kid ourselves on. But you know what? There's some big hitters in there. There's some big days out. You know, and if we could if we could get an knock and lick at our park, then for for what it costs to, to, to be a member there, we'd get it back. So we just decided, you know what? We traditionally are a junior club. Although we want to move on and progress, why not just rejoin it and get our name in the hat and we have? Just um, last of all, Thomas, you, you talked a little bit there about, um, you know, signing for fourth, how it all happened. I mean, fourth, when you look back over the years, I think George Wood and Rab Douglas played for the club. Willie Waddle comes from fourth. I mean, th- there's a there's a lot of history at that club, isn't there? And and t- t- tell us a bit about your kind of spell there in general, what kind of play you were. You, you said... You said that you weren't the greatest, uh, the greatest trainer in the world, and all that kind of stuff. But um, you know, what, what kind of player were you, and and what what would the manager, what would uh, Thomas Devine, the manager, think of Thomas Devine, the player? That's a tough one, actually. Um, <laughs> um, no, fourth they've been in, obviously they've got a, a long history. I think Willie Wardle might have played one or two games, I, I believe. But I Rab Douglas, I, um, I, I, I think as I say, eight, eight seasons. Um, I flitted between being a fullback and a winger, depending on how my hamstrings were. I um, I played predominantly um, up until I came to fourth as a as a fullback, and I ended up um, playing up up as a winger probably the first three or four seasons. And then, as I say, my hamstrings, ankle, I moved back to fullback. I actually played. I have it's the usual one. Played every position. 
actually saved a penalty in uh, a game down at Victoria Park for fourth. I can't remember the goalkeeper we had that got sent off. I kind of want to see Alan Cahoon, because um, he was at a spell at the club, and it would delight him to get sent off. But I can't remember if it was him or Bruce or one of the ones that got sent off, but um, they did take the gloves. We were playing, I think, probably Coke Ness or Wisher down at your part, uh, Victoria. And I took the gloves, saved the penalty, came back off the post and went in. I still claim saved the penalty. It was an own goal, saved the penalty. But um, I was either a flying winger when I was fit and the, the legs were good, or I was, I, I loved the tackle. I loved it, and I loved being a smaller guy and winning heaters. That was always my kind of defensive side of the game was what I enjoyed. I wasn't a great trainer in terms of I had no confidence. I think that was a bit probably helped me back when I went to senior teams for trials and stuff like that. I would rather have no, I couldn't have passed the ball five yards in training. I worked hard. I was always at training and, and probably people would say you were you were hard working, but I always see it doesn't matter if you were the best player you'd been at whatever. It's see if it was a case of somebody that you knew you were trying to get respect for the team and you made a bad pass and they'd look at you. That was me that would be me shattered, you know, that kind of way. I made a bad pass in trade and so I kind of took that kind of probably made it happen than I should have been. And I'd probably, as a manager, probably say to him, try and build that confidence up because I think that's probably one of the things I do have is that man management skill with people is build their confidence up. Let them, don't let them fear making a mistake. Do you know, one of the sayings I used to hate was um, like that one where you, you've made a bad pass or whatever and somebody will say to you, just, just get through the next 10 minutes just, or you're having a bad game, just make sure you stop them. If you're playing a bad game, just make sure you stop them. No, we should be saying, do you know what, you may have go and make another three or four, go and make go and try and go and see what you can do. Don't hide in your shell and just sit and defend and, and try and stop a player playing. You've still got to influence the game. And I think the kind of things probably would be confidence. Go and enjoy your football. I think when I was on a part for ninety minutes I was fine and I probably never really thought about it and just enjoyed it. But training, I used to build up in a horrible kind of things of the ash you to go and do exercises where you're playing a di- diag. 60, 70 yards. I was never a great passer, so that would have been played in my mind. Can he really kick the ball? That diag, I've no got that technique, but if you were in a game on a Saturday and you were playing, even beat a guy and play a pass, that is not a problem. But uh, I think um, it's, 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 it's really good players at the fourth. We always had a good sort of, we were second division, but we always started a season. We'd be up in the top three or four, and it would just be a combination of things, but we would always end up mid table. And then um, John Clifford was my manager for four or five years, and we just never had a settled team. I mean, I think I was there for the eight seasons, and I think every season we were bringing in seven, six or seven new boys, and it was every pre-season that was like starting from scratch, new guys, new team. Um, again, that was not great for me because I was I was always that kind of confidence. You need to have people like you and know think you're a good player. So every season it was a challenge, but John loved me. He was a great kind of guy for me in terms of he would be in the change room and I'd been out for maybe two months injured and the boy had been playing well and he'd come in and be putting in the team. And I'd been the Hamilton advertiser and going, team had won three games and I'd missed two of them. Ah, Thomas Devine's made the difference, you know, that kind of thing. And you, that was great for me for like playing and building up my confidence. But um, I would probably have to have said I would have been looking for me at me in terms of challenging myself. Go and, go and you try that in training. Go and try and make that mistake. Um, see how you can do it. But, um, no, I, 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 I would probably be the only advice I would give him. That and stop playing when you're injured. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Tommy Sloan, Ochenlet Talbot manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Before we finish up, we'll clear up the Down the Divisions decider. Paul, can we uh, have those clues again, please? Right. They were founded in 1950. They play their home games at Herman Park. They play in the new Conference X. Their nickname is the Kutha. No idea. They get a really, really strong clue. Arguably, they could be a derby to Fourth Wanderers. Oh, God. <laughs> so is it going to, the only one I can think of then would be, would be Hart Hill. Is that Ryan in a completely Ryan area? Gareth? I have got no idea. You're playing them the morning night. West Calder. See, that was the other one that came in my head. There you go. It was a conference, new conference X, and then I think Gareth, you said about it being the way. I'm going, that's it, the new conference X will be the East, and I think, no, that's not right. Oh, well. well I keep my record up, only one right out of about your, your, your 59, 60, whatever shows now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Superb, Thomas. Uh, thanks for thanks for coming on the show tonight. Enjoyed the chat, and we obviously uh, wish you best for for the new season when it starts a week on Saturday. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. It's been it's been good. Thank you very much, reminiscing and memory lane. Thank you. Thanks again to our sponsors, 44 Creative. Go to www.44creativehq.com if you're looking for a photographer, graphic designer, videographer, or video editor. And don't forget, you can get in touch with us with your comments or suggestions for people to speak to, or if you'd like your club's audio featured on the show. Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Do leave a comment, which helps others find us, and subscribe to get alerts when our latest episode is released. We'll be back next Friday on Down the Divisions. Down the Divisions.